Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello there, and welcome to It's an S-Pod Thing, the podcast revisiting every episode of S-Club 7's insane TV show. I'm Sophie Davis, and joining me on this journey from Miami to Spain will be a range of guests who may or may not have seen the show before. Either way, we're going to analyse it in more detail than anyone ever asked for. If you're an S-Club fan like me and remember watching the show, hopefully this podcast will bring it all back to you. So my guest on the podcast today is actor, comedian and podcaster Tilly Steele. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Lockdown life. Indeed. It's just pretend it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> so I believe you have seen Miami 7 before. I have in the deepest recesses of my mind. I do have some memories of watching Miami 7 and then... What was it after that? LA7. LA7. And then Paul left. Or did he leave after the third series? Uh, I think it was after the third one. I think it's just the final series where he isn't there. I'm testing your knowledge now of Paul. I know, yeah. I haven't watched all four in ages, but I believe he leaves at some point at the beginning of series four. And I'm sure the acting is great when he leaves. The emotional (laughs) beats of that, I'm sure, are extremely believable and cathartic to watch. I'm looking forward to finding out. It's a long (laughs) way off. Invite me back on specifically for that episode. I'd I'd love to watch it. Yeah, definitely. In like five years time (laughs) when I've got through about 40 other episodes, definitely. Maybe S Club Miami will be the only uh, art that survives in the wasteland. Oh, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine if everything else got deleted and the only thing that like the aliens had to piece together human civilization was S Club Miami. (laughs) (laughs) is this what acting was (laughs) do you remember having like a favorite song or a favorite member or anything not really in so much as i did with the spice girls i think i I was so in love with the spice girls that when they split up i was like right i'm not getting burned again in the same way that i have these bitches splitting up and abandoning me so when i liked s club seven it was more like you know the relationship you have after the person who's really broken your heart where you're not you're enjoying it but you're not really in it as much and uh i i liked them they they were classy weren't they when you were young and i was the right age for them so i thought they were great thought they were great pals (laughs) yeah i remember when jerry left the spice girls i think the news broke in school and I remember people just losing their minds oh yeah it was as bad as 9-11 if you were like six years old (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was that it was that equivalent yeah I don't remember the Paul leaving news making that big of an impact no I remember when they got caught with weed 
I remember that. On their Wikipedia page, that is the only thing under controversy. God bless him. Pretty good going. Yeah. So today we're talking about Miami 7 episode 3, which is called The Blue Chevy. This aired on CBBC on the 22nd of April 1999. And it's basically about them getting a car to get themselves around Miami, isn't it? Yeah, real nail-biter. Yeah, this isn't the most eventful episode out of Series 1, to be mm. honest. I'm sorry about that. No, it's, it's okay. It's uh, very imaginatively titled and there's an alligator, so fuck it. Yeah, the alligator gets introduced and comes up, I think, later in the series a little bit more. So, Oh, really? Callback. Yeah, there is. I think there's an episode called Alligator at one point in a few episodes' time, so... Just called Alligator. I think so. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So we we start off in the morning and Rachel is taking ages in the bathroom. Hannah's desperate for a wee and Tina's being a bit of a tool, isn't she? Saying like, oh, just think of running water, think of taps filling up a bath. And then she gets Hannah to dance to try and take her mind off it. And as soon as Rachel comes out of the bathroom, Tina runs in there herself and just shuts Hannah out. Yeah, they're all absolute cunts to each other all the time. Yeah, the girls are a bit sort of um, not really working together. Yeah, none of them are ever nice to each other in this show. Yeah, and then in the boys' room, they're talking about how they haven't been paid in two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I quite like this little moment here where they're saying, it's outrageous, it's against common decency. And for some reason, Brad... Bradley thinks they're talking about his outfit. Yeah, is Bradley the best actor out of them? I'm trying to work out. I mean, they're all awful, but I'm trying to work out who is the least offensive. I feel like it's it's potentially Bradley sometimes, and then potentially other times, maybe Paul sometimes. Yeah, I think Hannah isn't that bad. And oh, she's like, dreadful. She is- I'm sorry, oh, I can't really? agree with you there. No, every line, she just looks like she's run out of toilet paper in every single line that she says. She's so confused about where she is. That's fair enough. You're <laughs> the professional, so I will bow down to your professional opinion. <laughs> I think I may be being harsher on her because I know she became a professional actress after S Club for a bit, didn't she? So I was expecting her to be the best one, and then I was like, what are you doing? But also maybe she's like, how old are they? Is she? I mean, is she younger than she uh she is i think 17 oh bless her then she's fine of course she is yeah paul's the oldest and he's 22 um oh gross and And they were going out (laughs) yeah i don't think they Uh. were at this early stage but i'm not sure when that started ming him but they do kind of um they have a little moment in the next scene together because they're both sort of gaslighting rachel while they're all eating breakfast they're all so jealous of rachel it's like Come on. Yeah. Because they tell her that if she eats bacon, she'll get spots. Mm. Just gaslighting her, essentially. And she believes them. And Hannah and Paul just want to get her bacon and share it between themselves. Rachel, can I have your bacon? No. Oh, go on. No! Well, it's not good for you. Well, if it is not good for you, why do you want it? Well, it's all right for me. It's just not good for you. It gives you spots. What are you talking about? I've noticed that every time you eat a piece of bacon, you get a spot. Just there. I haven't noticed it. I have. Tell you what, let's try an experiment. You don't eat this bacon, and I bet you don't get a spot today. Okay. Okay. Half eat. 
Maybe Rachel's the best in the show, actually, because she just, well, she doesn't have a lot to do other than be vain, but she, she does it in an inoffensive way. Yeah, she spends most of her time in the background just sort of looking at her nails. That seems to be her main sort of uh, habit in this. But she gets a lot of rubbish in this episode thrown at her. Mm. I'm not sure why, but it hasn't happened really before now. But in this episode in particular, people are very harsh to her, I feel. Yeah, well, it's not really an own, as much of an own as Simon Fuller thinks it is that he's that she's vain or that he's made her vain. Because who wouldn't be if you look like Rachel Stevens? Yeah, I actually would, none of this would affect me. I'd just be like, wow everyone's so jealous of what I look like that's awful for them yeah so we have that weird moment with the the bacon then they're talking about how they want a car so they decide to go and confront Howard and ask for their wages I feel like a lot of this show is them going to older people and demanding money from them so that they can do anything at all yeah they're just sort of stuck at the hotel at the moment because they can't possibly walk anywhere (laughs) they need a car that fits all seven of them yeah, and it definitely doesn't fit all seven of them. I feel like it is some kind of hazard, that car. Yeah, it's not safe. They're sort of standing mm-hmm. up in the back seat, aren't they? Yeah. Bradley says we could go and chop his legs off or chop one of his ears off like in Reservoir Dogs. And fun fact, this is three episodes in and this is the second Reservoir Dogs reference. So Simon Fuller's a big fan of Reservoir Dogs then? I guess so. I mean, it, it wasn't even a current film at this time. It was seven years old so maybe yeah. they'd watched it just was before it? writing it seven this. Years old? 92 it's uh, when I looked it up. so it's not a current reference but yeah this is the second time it's come up so far i'll keep a tally in the rest of the show is that because he's like oh it's a show about a gang i mean what kid watching this will have uh, got the reference i suppose it's for the beleaguered parents hoping that they'll raise a smile in the background but I wouldn't fucking let my kid watch this. They'd be watching Pokemon. <laughs> so Rachel's alternative is that they could, instead of chopping off his ear, they could pierce his ear. And Tina goes, oh, Rachel, that's so 80s. Again, just having a go at Rachel for no reason. It just doesn't make any sense. None of this makes any sense. Why would you, <laughs> why would you do that? And then why would you say that's 80s? What it's just it's just not none none of it is words that people would ever say ever. Yeah, that that is the tagline for the show. None of this makes any sense. <laughs> Hugely, yeah. And to be honest, this is one of the most kind of normal episodes because it's about them getting a car. I mean, there's one later mm. on where they go back in time to the seventies for some reason. Wow, budget. Come on, budget. Yeah, and I think I think there's a 50s one as well. And yeah, this is quite sort of a, a gritty in comparison, getting a car. Mm. So they march over to Howard's house to give him a piece of their mind. But he's got this sign on his gate saying, beware of the alligator. And Paul is like terrified, isn't he? He does a sort of double take when he sees the sign. Oh, the conversation they have here is excruciating. It's really bad on every level. Yeah, it's strange as well because, you know, Paul is extremely scared, which seems a bit extreme, but then some of the others are weirdly nonplussed by it. Yeah, Tina's just like, it's fine. Yeah, I think John says, come on, Paul, it's only an alligator. (laughs) Amazing. That's a lot of people's uh, reaction to coronavirus, isn't it? (laughs) Come on. What's it going to do? Kill my whole family? 
Yeah, March straight. Some of them march straight in. It's like that meme or what show is it from where it's someone looking at a sign and they say, this sign can't stop me because I can't read. Oh, I think it's Arthur. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. God, I loved Arthur. Great show. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one on, I think, CBBC as well. That was a bit more educational. It had a moral, unlike this, which is uh, truly vapid on every... Every possible level. I don't even know what you would say the moral... We'll, f- well, we'll find out, won't we, when we talk about it, if there is a moral to this story. I have actually... Uh, I've got one written down, but it's, it's not a good It's not a good moral. So okay, I'll, I'll yeah. tell you later. Okay. So Hannah says, Usually I can relate to alligators, but I sense that this one's had a very sad childhood. So what is that meant to be like her character? She's the weirdy, psychic-y one. Yeah, there was a bit in episode one where she was going on about, oh, it could be worse. We could all be trapped in a burning skyscraper uh so she just comes out with these quite weird things and there's something i think later on where she can communicate with a dolphin telepathically okay i don't mind that so much as i do how incomprehensible any of any of that conversation is about the alligator it's basically telling children ignore signs and it'll be fine. Yeah, Tina just strides in like, oh, it's probably not even here anyway. It's probably a little one. Yeah, like a a little one would still bite your fucking face off. Yeah, Paul and Rachel are the last ones to go through because they're more scared. And Rachel's strategy is to run with her hand over her eyes. So then obviously she falls over, but it's a really kind of lackluster fall, like <laughs> a sort of Vic and Bob thing, like, oh no, I've fallen. Well, she's hot, so she doesn't really have to try very hard. Yeah, she runs like a a pretty person in NPE that doesn't mm. want to mess up her hair. Yeah, and why would she? She looks great. Uh, Howard comes out and is obviously like, what are you all doing here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they all get a bit scared and start sort of dithering around. Nobody wants to be the one to actually confront him. And then Tina eventually snaps and goes, we've got some complaints and we need to sort them out. <laughs> Yeah, it's truly, truly horrendous stuff. I know. I I like Tina. I think if I had to act in a TV show suddenly, I think I would be like (laughs) Tina. I would be John because I would be like overly earnestly trying to be good, but still being really shit. So, what do you want to see me about? What's the matter? Cat got your tongues? Uh, No, but you're relegating that you did. So what's the matter? Huh? Nothing, I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Actually, we've got a few complaints. Well, nothing contagious, I hope. <laughs> we have got a few actual complaints. What do you mean by a few? One or two. How about one? Look, we've got some complaints and we need to sort them out. Did you hear that, Marvin? I heard that, Howard. (laughs) Howard sort of whips out this wad of cash, which is a bit odd because the whole point of this thing is that his hotel is failing really badly, but he's got a load of just cash on him. He says they can all have $100 each, but then reduces it to $80 each because he's taking some deductions Mm -hmm. for sort of bed and board, which I thought was pretty reasonable. What did you think? Yes, see, that's the standard, 20%. Yeah, because they all start kicking off. Like, how dare he take money away from our paycheck to feed us and give us a bed? Yeah, I mean, none of them have any idea how the world works because uh, that doesn't seem to be the point of the show, if there is a point. 
it's definitely not to reflect reality in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And do you remember, you know, when you watched this, when you were in primary school or whatever, mm. were you kind of thinking of them as adults? Because I know that I was, I thought they were so grown up in comparison, but now watching it, they look like children. Oh yeah, definitely. But I think you see anyone kind of age 16 and they're like the biggest people you've ever seen in your entire life. But I don't know if you have this, I have this weird thing where like when I'm watching things that I have seen when I was a child, the people in it are kind of weirdly ageless. I get this a lot when I watch Friends, like mm. I I can't conceive of the idea that the friends in season one are my age. Yeah. To me, they're outside of time. They don't exist as people who have birthdays. They're kind of like almost otherworldly figures. Yes. And I find I find it weird as well finding out that I'm suddenly older than a character who I think of as being so much older mm. than me. Mm. I've been re-watching um girls over the last few weeks, which I watched for the first time when I was in uni. So I was about 19, 20. And now watching it I'm older than all the characters are and when I realized that I was like okay I'm done <laughs> like they're all 24 25 and now I'm a few years older than that and uh, I, I never saw it I I watched the first two minutes and I couldn't I couldn't bear it that that is fair mm. I, I think that is a, that is a fair judgment it's not for everyone no she's never really spoken to me unfortunately but mm -hmm. I'm sure she is very talented yeah it's about a specific group of girls it's not really a reflective of girls in general mm. I don't think mm, definitely so Howard gives them this money and shoes them away and as they're leaving they've just kind of accepted it and they're like oh well what what could we have done and Joe goes, well, we could have beaten him to death. What is this show? Yeah, I think, well, this is episode three. And I think in every episode so far, Joe has been up for brutally beating a man. I feel like this is just Simon Fuller getting out a lot of his latent aggression that he needs to sort out in therapy. Yeah, well, it's, um, yeah, Kim Fuller wrote oh, it. Oh, yeah, sorry, Simon, do I keep, who's, in, what's the difference? Uh, so Simon Fuller is the the music guy who yeah. sort of start, started the band and managed them and stuff. Right. And then his, his I think he's a producer on the TV show, so right. he's probably quite involved. But then his brother, Kim Fuller, is a writer in inverted commas, uh, he's a writer and he wrote this and he also wrote like the Spice Girls movie as well. So he seems to write a lot of these pop band to screen adaptations. Yeah. Well, what I will say about Spice World is what a fucking classic. Yeah, I think and I think you can see it's written by the same person because, yeah, things just happen and things are said and you're like, wait, yeah. what? And then it just goes on to something completely different. But I feel like with Spice World, it kind of works because I feel like Spice World is just a sort of reflection about of how mad that time was. I doubt it was very good to watch it at the time, although I do remember enjoying it in the cinema when I was like five. Yeah. And because it's a film, it's quite sort of um, big scale as well, isn't it? And there's all these uh, celebrities popping up like um, Roger Moore and people like that. Mm. They had the budget, but I feel like it's it's a real representation actually of where I think the British psyche was at that kind of new <laughs> la new labour point in time. I actually think mm -hmm. it's very interesting as a film, yeah, even though it is and sort of um, girl power feminism as well, I guess. Mm. Yeah, but this is this is horseshit. So 
yeah, this is where we see the alligator for the first time because they just sort of go out and they're like, oh, there probably wasn't even an alligator anyway. And then we actually see it just roaming around and there's some quite sinister music in the background. In the next scene, they're adding up all their money, working out that they can't afford a car at all. Hannah puts um, 10 cents in and says, oh, maybe it can pay for some air in one of the tires. Sweet. We go back to Howard and Marvin who are discussing it. And Marvin is kind of like, oh, you know, they're young. They need a car to get around. I love Marvin. I definitely fuck Marvin. 100%. He's my type. <laughs> sort of um, Borat. Yeah. And hasn't brushed his hair in years. I love him. He's so nice. Yeah, he's sweet. He's sort of on the band side a lot of the time, like sort of mediating between Howard and the band. Yeah, we stand definitely. I looked him up mm-hmm. actually. He's a he's a puppeteer now. Yeah, he does like a lot of theatre stuff. It seems mm, good for him. I fell down a little bit of a, a rabbit hole because there there's a Facebook fan page for Miami Seven, which was no. actually set set up by these two actors. Oh, by the by. Howard and Marvin. Howard and Marvin, yeah. Oh, bless them. Yeah, they set it up in 2016 for some reason. I'm not sure what prompted this, but yeah, it's wild. If people liked it, did people post? Uh, I can't remember, but I... <laughs> that's I, no, I did, that's a no. <laughs> I looked through some of their posts and they share little sort of like memories and ah. trivia. And that sort of thing. It's quite sweet. I bet sweet. they had a blast filming it. Like, they must have been so great. Like, age 17, like, obviously it's all garbage, but you, you probably wouldn't know that when you were 17. You probably just think, oh, I'm in America. Everything's being paid for. I get to drive around in a convertible. Everyone's waving at me, thinks I'm really famous. Like, must have been really fun yeah it must have been quite a mad time because yeah they they got into this band and then suddenly they are jetting off to america to mm. film a tv show like before they've even released any music or anything yeah, it must have been weird yeah it must have been wild for them this mother's day celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from blue nile whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Marvin sort of talks Howard round a little bit about the car because at first Marvin, uh, sorry, Howard is like, oh, but they're British. What are they complaining about? In Britain, sometimes people never even see the sun for a whole year. I mean, he's not wrong. Yeah, it's true. But now that's because we can't leave our homes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, he says as well, like, oh, when the sun finally does appear, people have forgotten what it is and they think it's an alien spacecraft (laughs) in the sky. Mood. So he changes his mind. He invites them all back over and says that they can buy this sort of old, dusty Chevy that he's got in his garage. This really pissed me off. This whole plot line. Why? Why are they paying for the car? They wouldn't. Pay, they why? Yeah. Why? Why do they give give up all their money to get this car? What? How are they? How are they living? It's not consistent. I know. It's just really not consistent. From what I remember of the rest of the series as well, I don't think they even really go anywhere. They're mostly <laughs> just at the hotel, as far as I recall. 
Yeah. God, that's that's waste, disappointing. Waste of money. Mm. They, yeah, they're not impressed with the car because it's all sort of dusty. And Bradley says, this is pony. Tina says, it's complete pop. Uh, and then Joe says, it's the bee's bum. I've had Chevys all my life. We wouldn't have anything else. Yeah, this is... Um... Pony. Pony. If you see Marvin, they like it. You know what this is? It's complete pop. Pop? Is that good? What are they talking about, Marvin? I'm not sure, Howard. It's the base bum, mate. It's the second flush. It's rubbish. Rubbish. It's a nice color, though. It's a great car. I drove this for years, and it never gave me any trouble. I can let you have it for a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's just like all their words have been like replaced by a robot, or they've been like translated from another language. Just doesn't doesn't mean anything. But I mean, yeah. if you're a kid, whatever, everything just kind of washes over you anyway. And with those performances, I mean, come on. Yeah, it's the bee's bum, mate. Those great performances. You get it. You get you get what it means. You get it. Pop's bad. All right. Fine. I'll buy it. I'll buy it, Tina. I'll buy yeah. what you're selling. Because I haven't got any other choice. So they they offer to take it off his hands for nothing, but he wants them to pay for it. And then they they go into a sort of huddle, don't they? And this is possibly the weirdest moment I've seen so far. They do a sort of hacker dance. Yeah, it's the only bit of the episode I liked, actually. Because it was so bizarre. <laughs> it didn't make any sense, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's really odd. They're sort of doing this dance, screeching. I noticed as well after, after like I'd watched it a few times, it looks like it's filmed somewhere else, this bit, because we've seen Howard's garden. Mm. You know, he's got these kind of exotic trees and plants and stuff. And then this hacker bit, if you look at the background, it looks like they've just sort of filmed it in someone's back garden in the UK. I mean, entirely possible. Yeah, it sort of makes it even more jarring. It's really odd, but it, it works though because Howard and Marvin look really scared, as you would if someone just started doing that in front of you. Screaming for no reason, and they suddenly had face paint on and then didn't. Well, it kind yeah. of it ties in with what they seem to be trying to do, which is make it more clever than it is by just adding in these weird bits that are meant to be like surreal or whatever, but without actually anything in the writing to back it up whatsoever yeah it just happens out of nowhere and then mm. yeah reverts back to how it was before and because they're so scared now they basically well they still make them pay for the car but they offer him 381 dollars and he accepts which is everything they have why don't they offer him 300 or 200 they're yeah, so, he's so dumb. scared they're so stupid how how are seven people together this stupid uh the next scene is them washing the car and sort of doing it up yeah and the girls in the bikinis i mean yeah of course rachel's checking herself out in the mirror who wouldn't she looks great bradley's sleeping in the boot at one point for some reason i don't know he just wants to feel like he's being kidnapped so he doesn't have to be on this show anymore <laughs> yeah hannah opens up the boot and she's like oh bradley what's he like oh well better close the boot so he suffocates Great. And then once they're once they're finished, the car looks brand new. It's all sort of shiny and gleaming. Mm -hmm. And I think I realized at this point, this episode's called the Blue Chevy, but their car is red. <laughs> 
Um, so, because Howard's car is the blue Chevy. Yeah. I know I'm reading too much into this, but I just, I'm not sure what the thought process was behind calling this episode after Howard's car and not the actual car that the S Club buy. I mean, is it meant to symbolize the futility and disappointment they feel over not having a car initially? The blue yeah, Chevy. I think, I think that I think that's what they were thinking. Someone was like, Oh yeah, I think their car was blue. Yeah, it's the blue Chevy. Mm. We get a song at this point. Um down at Club S. Do you remember this song much? Apparently it was a B-side. I don't remember it now, but it, hey, it was catchy. Yeah, they're all sort of dancing around in the car, aren't they? Mm. And I, I quite like John's voice in this song. You can tell he's a bit sort of um, musical theatre compared to the others. I think he's got quite a strong voice. He does sing every line like it's empty chairs and empty tables from Les Mis, which is quite jarring. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell he's... Uh, has he played Marius? I feel like he has. Oh, really? Does he do musicals now? Yeah, he does. I can't remember specifically what now. I got a feeling it was Marius. And yeah, before this, he played Oliver when he was little, like in Aww, West End. Cute. Very cute. Yeah, I think he I think he suits that. You can see that he's a, a sort of Oliver character. Yeah. So they go on a, a day out in the new car. Bradley gives us some words of wisdom. He says, if I come back in another life, I'm coming back as a car because you wouldn't have to hang around waiting for a bus. It's quite profound. I think Bradley's my favourite. He's the only one who has any anything about him, really. Yeah, he's got a sort of cheeky energy going on. Yeah. I wonder how any of them managed to get dressed in the morning, really. <laughs> well, not from helping each other. No. Uh, the car obviously breaks down, as we can probably predict. Joe has a look inside the bonnet to figure out what's wrong. And Paul is kind of over her shoulder, sort of pretending he knows what he's doing, but it's really Joe doing all of the work. Yeah, classic. Yeah, and her conclusion is, um, we've been sold a pile of old pop. Oh, it's really cringe, isn't it? Why do they keep trying to make pop happen? It's not going to happen. Yeah, I should have, I should be keeping a tally of this because, yeah, it's said multiple times in every episode. It's kind of like a swear word substitute, I think. But, like, you'd come up with something else, wouldn't you? you just say it's a load of old rubbish. What's wrong with that? That's true. It's fine. Maybe they wanted to kick this off as a new a new bit of language for young people. Oh, uh, they're just trying to be a meme before memes were even a thing. Uh, Rachel has phoned the AA to try and be helpful, but obviously they say they're going to be three weeks. And Tina goes, yeah, we're in America, you divvy. Which I haven't heard that word in about 20 years. As if the strangest thing about that interaction is... Not the fact that she's done it, which I think is actually probably I might do that accidentally if I was in another country and I wasn't thinking. But the fact that they said it's going to be three weeks, but she's told them that they're in L.A. So they're coming. They are coming. The AA are coming to L.A. to help them with their car in three weeks. That's the weird thing about the situation. It's not that Rachel's done that. Yeah, they're going to turn up and be like, oh, do you, do you not need our help anymore? Yeah. It, it is totally incomprehensible. No, it's completely shot. What's the matter with it? It's, um... Start motor's jammed. Yeah, yeah, start motor's jammed. And it needs a new cylinder head. Yeah, new cylinder head. And something, uh... Gasket. Uh, yeah, gasket. So what does that mean, then? Why, well, the gasket, I've got no idea. 
Basically, it means we've been sold a pile of old pulp. I knew we paid too much for it. How much are you supposed to pay for a pulp, then? Well, has it started yet? No. Where have you been, Rach? Went to phone for some help, see if we could get towed back. What did they say? They said we could be here for about three weeks. Three, three weeks? weeks. Mm. Who did you phone, Rachel? Phone the AA. Oh. oh, Rachel. Oh. But we're in America, you divvy. Well, it was worth a try, wasn't it? Yeah, and I like that Tina calls her a divvy because that took me back to primary school because I think that was the last time I heard that word. Uh, yeah, for sure. And it's like, come on, Tina. Well, you know, at least she's been given a personality. Do you know what I mean? God God bless her. Mm. Bradley has got some actual help. He's found a man with a truck who mm-hmm. can tow them. Uh, this guy drops them off back at the hotel and he hands his card to Rachel and John just obliviously takes it away and is like, oh, thanks. And he's like, no, no, no for her. Uh, drives away. And everyone's being really harsh to Rachel again, saying, oh, I can see why he drives a pickup truck. He'll pick up anything. It's horrible. Yeah, and turns out um, Bradley has essentially kind of sold her because uh, they're they're all like, oh, it's it's weird that he didn't want any payment for giving us a lift. And Bradley goes, oh, well, I sorted that out. He let us off because I said he could sit next to Rachel. Yeah, just pimping out his friend. But again, you know, Bradley's showing that he's got something about him. He's got an entrepreneurial spirit, you know. At least he's doing something in this show. Yeah, yeah. Rachel's quite offended. She's like, Bradley, that's terrible. I'm not a sex object. And he's like, yeah, not to me or not, but some people have got no taste. Savage. That's another one that's gone gargo over you, Rach. Yeah, well, I'm not available. You can see why he tries a pickup truck. Yeah, he'll pick up anything. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. I can't understand why he didn't want to get paid. He did, actually. How much did you pay Nothing. He let us off because I said he could sit next to Rach. Bradley, that's terrible. What's the problem? It saved us 50 bucks, didn't it? Bradley, I'm not a sex object. Not to me, you're not, but some people have got no taste. Is this really okay to do this on CBBC? Was it all Was it all just okay then? It feels, it feels weird to me to say the phrase sex object in a show that <laughs> was aimed at six-year-olds and seven-year-olds. Yeah, I don't remember learning it from this show, so I guess it must have just gone over my head completely. Mercifully. You wouldn't want to learn about sex from this lot, would you? (laughs) Yeah, it's weird because they are all obviously adults in this, but I think as far as I remember throughout the whole show, the way they talk about, you know, romance and stuff, it's obviously because it's a kid's show, they're Mm. talking about it like they're kids and saying like, oh, you know, did you snog her and things like that. It's very weird watching Mm. it as an adult. But then they're in their bikinis washing the car. Yeah, exactly. And the boys are fully clothed. Yeah. We see them performing at the hotel then. And the way it's done up, it looks like it's a sort of children's party or something. And they're the entertainment, but it's not. I I think Hannah here wins the award for most 1999 item of clothing. She's wearing these jeans, which are like three different types of denim all sort of patched together. She, She works it. She gets away with it. Yeah, Marvin is sort of enjoying the performance and dancing around and Howard says he has to stop because uh, if they know we think they're good, then they'll want more money. Well, they just want some money, don't they? Yeah, they'll take what they can get. Yeah. And then they'll give it back to you for your fucking car. I don't know what you're complaining about. They're so stupid. Like, don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah, they come off stage really happy and then they're instantly furious because they want to confront Howard about the broken down car. They're just angry all the time. They're never having a good time. They're never having fun. (laughs) Apart from that 10 seconds or whatever it was in the red convertible. 
that brief yeah. blissful moment they're just fucking pissed off all the time yeah they're not happy with the hotel they uh i don't know why they don't just go home if they're that unhappy but yeah we wouldn't have a series then i would suppose we need I some conflict going on yeah but their only two modes seem to be dumb and angry which doesn't really make for a nuanced drama none of them actually seem to want anything that's particularly relatable or moving or yeah i think this has come up before that obviously you know with the spice girls in their film they do all have these very distinct personas Mm -hmm. yeah but that's them i think that's i would i would not be surprised if the spice girls themselves had a lot of input into shaping some of the dialogue and how they're perceived in the film because famously they none of them were pushovers and mm-hmm. I feel like maybe the same cannot be said for the S Club 7, perhaps. Yeah, I guess Spice Girls were a little bit more varied as well. Like some of them were Northern, some of them were Southern in S Club. I think they're all Southern, aren't they? Now that I think about it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think any of them are Northern. Are you suggesting we're, we're bullshit? Therefore we can... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking it adds a bit of variety. Yeah, perhaps. And the, I mean, S Club, they just seem all kind of like... I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked into the personal histories of them, but they're all kind of like stage school sort of kids. Yeah, you know? pretty much. Seems that way. Mm. So... After they've done this performance, they come off stage, they have a go at Marvin about the car because Howard has run off. Like, it's not his fault, do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, Bless him. He's just sort of caught in the middle. And it's the only nice moment of the episode when he says that he really enjoyed the performance. It's so sweet. Yeah, and they take the compliment and then they sort of turn and go, we're still furious though. Yeah, it's like, for fuck's sake, it's not his fault. Like, look at him. He's clearly on hanging on by a thread. Like, you've brought in some joy with your music. Be happy for 10 seconds. They're all so miserable. Then we go to very early morning and Joe has a plan. Uh, she sneaks into the boys' room and sort of puts her hand over Bradley's mouth and shushes him. Then she leads him over to Howard's house. They're still in their pyjamas and everything. And she essentially makes him an accessory to a crime that she's going to commit. Mm-hmm. Because they're the only two capable ones, right? They're the only two that can get anything done. I guess. I think... Because going back to the breakfast scene earlier, he was the one who was up for chopping an ear off. Mm. I think maybe she th- she thinks that they're more on the same wavelength. The others are a bit sort of wussy. Yes, yeah, so you can kind of tell what the people who are in charge of the S Club think about all of the S Club from this show. Like Rachel's obviously the one that they really, really want to have sex with. So they're putting all their misplaced um, shame about how much they want to fuck Rachel Stevens onto making her as vapid as possible. And then (laughs) Bradley and Joe are obviously the ones that they like the most because they give them the most to sing in the records, Joe especially. So they see them as kind of the de facto leaders. Mm -hmm. And then I guess Paul and Hannah, they like, they give her the kind of the, the baby spice personality and then he's kind of the the everyman so he gets to you know he gets a bit of something to do and then tina and john are just forgotten yeah they seem to have this idea that john is the sort of bookish one it it isn't so much in this episode but 
well, I think it does come up at one point because he's the one who goes up to Howard and is like, according to this employment law, blah, blah, blah. Right. But yeah, in previous episodes, it, like in episode one, they all got given contracts to read and John wasn't there at the time. And they were all like, oh, if only John was here, we could make sense of this contract. But then he's totally incapable in every other situation. Yeah, and he's also by far the youngest. Yeah. <laughs> How old is he? 16. Oh, you're joking. Yeah, bless oh. him. Oh, that's child abuse. It's a lot of responsibility for poor John if he's like the only one who can read a contract. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the point Joe is going to steal some parts from Howard's car some and put it into their car. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is where... What we See, that was a missed about. opportunity. That could have made part happen. If only you'd been listening. <laughs> um, so we were talking before about what the moral of this episode is. I think the moral is it's okay to steal if the person you're stealing from is a tool. Yeah, which I would broadly agree with. Because, yeah, she's stealing all these car parts and S Club Party is playing at the same time. And it's like, hey, kids, stealing's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not incorrect, but I mean, they're dickheads as well. So they both, they all deserve each other as far as I can tell. You know who should have got the car? Marvin. Yeah, he deserves it. Marvin doesn't deserve to be stuck at the side of the road with his boss who he hates. The real person I want yeah. to liberate in this episode is Marvin. Yeah, Marvin deserves more than this. Justice for Marvin. <laughs> Gonna start that off. Start that hashtag. And she kind of brings Bradley along for no reason, really, because he's sort of being a lookout, but he just falls asleep. Mm. And they they run off in the end because the alligator starts approaching them. Mm. Uh, but Joe's sort of got what she needed by that point. She's got these car parts. And then the, the episode sort of ends, really, with they're all sitting in their car, which they all think is broken but joe has obviously sneakily fixed it without mm. the others noticing and she says oh, all we need to do to make the car start is to think positive thoughts so they all start going like vroom vroom mm. why does she just say i fixed it maybe she didn't want to make them um complicit but although yeah she could have just told them she fixed it just without stealing mm. she just wanted to trick them all or she could have, I'm just rewriting the episode now, she could have driven up to them while they were stood at the bus stop waiting for a bus and Bradley could have had a call back to his earlier line about wanting to be a car and then she could have been like, get in losers, we're getting shopping. And that would have been great. Yeah, I like how in about five seconds you've just improved the <laughs> ending of this episode. I'm available for hire. I'm available for S Club 3 if they want a, a show based on their... <laughs> Their tour. A spin-off. Yeah. Oh, can you imagine? Um, I can't actually. I'm not good enough to imagine that. <laughs> yeah, because they're all like in their 40s now. Imagine if they were still carrying on like this. I hope they found out what sex is by now. <laughs> they're still talking about snogging. Yeah. <laughs> so they're all going vroom, vroom, and the car starts and they're all like oh it worked <laughs> because that's what you would think yeah you'd be like cool i guess we're psychic and then obviously howard his car has broken down because it's missing all these parts uh -huh. but he's managed to he's managed to get a bit down the road somehow though mm. he's managed to start the car and go down the road a bit mm. so it's pretty dangerous really like joe could have committed manslaughter here <laughs> yeah she could actually that would have been a very different episode 
<laughs> the car could have um, broken down at a more critical moment. Yeah. So they're in the middle of the road and they're like, oh no, this is so embarrassing. I hope no one sees us, which seems like a weird thing to say because that, that wouldn't be my reaction if my car broke down. Like, oh no, what if someone I know sees me? Um, but obviously they're setting up the fact that S Club are obviously going to drive past. They see Howard and they're like, oh, it's Howard. Shall we help him? Nah. Nah, because as established, we're absolute dickheads. Yeah, and Rachel kind of ends it all by going, can you not drive so fast? The wind is clogging my pores. And it's like... Oh, God. What have we just done? What have we just done for 25 minutes? <laughs> There's been no and, uh, development but- <laughs> whatsoever for anyone. No one's learned anything. Yeah, and the la- the last shot <laughs> the last shot is just Howard sort of kicking the car, isn't it? Like a Basil Fawlty sort yeah. of thing. And then, yeah, that's the blue Chevy. What a wild ride <laughs> from beginning to end. So did you have much kind of, uh, were any of these memories coming back to you watching the show or was it like watching it brand new um i it's like anything that you look at that you're vaguely familiar at from your childhood it's always so much smaller than it was when you were a kid i thought mm-hmm. that the show would be really fun and it was just i really wanted it to be fun but it was just a bit of a chore really but i liked it mm-hmm. when i was a kid but i mean i didn't know any better <laughs> yeah <laughs> what did you did you have any thoughts on the acting when you were a kid did you want to be an actor when you were that young or was it just no, sort of, it I, didn't, any I didn't know what an actor was I didn't know that that was a job you could do really mm-hmm. um not on any like real level so um no I mean I probably wanted to be a performer in some way um I just wanted to be cool really I would just want it to be cool and have loads of mates and for life to be fun. I, I probably viewed it as quite aspirational when I was seven, but thank God my life has turned out slightly better than the S Club 7. <laughs> At least the S Club 7 in this awful reality, this awful parallel reality from Kim Fuller's twisted imagination. <laughs> yeah, working in this sort of little dingy hotel. Hmm. Yeah. So before we finish, are there any other kind of last thoughts on it? On the episode, certainly not. I I really have um, dug the well dry with uh, what I think about the episode. Um, and you um you mentioned before it did kind of inspire you to re-listen to some of the music as well. Yeah. So I've actually um, written a track by track review. Of their debut album, um, brilliant. I I was ex- I was probably a bit too excited when you gave me a valid excuse to listen to them as research. <laughs> so I listened to the whole thing yesterday, and I just um, I wrote down my thoughts on it. So it's um, I think it's it's self yeah. The, so the album's S Club, mm-hmm. released in 1999. So this is the stuff when they were making the series. Track number one, bring it all back. An anthem for self-love and understanding that you are your own best teacher, bring it all back, tells us that you are your own destiny, which I think might be one of the profoundest lyrics of all time. And I genuinely do. And it might help anyone struggling with codependency. So I'm going to give that a nine out of 10. Absolute classic. Uh, And not to point off. That's a good one. Yeah. And not to point off because the slightly saccharine production of it. Uh, Number two, you're my number one. 
pretty standard late 90s love song. Could be in the background of a Richard Curtis movie when someone's cycling mm-hmm. across London in a scarf, maybe. Um, it has a really nice key change about two thirds through where the song becomes a bit more interesting, but it doesn't last long. Um, and it's otherwise pretty standard, catchy love ballad. Some nice trumpets in the background as well. Uh, so I gave that a 6.5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, Two in a Million. Remember that one? Yeah, the sort of slow one. Yeah. I mean, this the band should have been called Joe Club 7 because Joe can really fucking sing and they just give her mm-hmm. everything. Um, the melody's really nice and it really shows up you're my number one because the lyrics are way better nicer production it kind of reminds me a bit of Spice Girls and how lovely it sounds and the strings in the background Um, also it's the first song that doesn't fade out all the other tracks on the album just fade out without any kind of meaningful ending so I've given that a 7.5 out of 10 yeah, does does that happen so much now? I remember a lot of pop music back then used to just sort of fade out at the end. Yeah, I'm cowards. Like, was that just a trend at the time? Yeah, they just did it because they just, I don't know, I guess we all just didn't stand for anything in the 90s, did we? We're just like, this is we fine. We don't want an ending. Yeah, this is fine. Uh, track number four is S Club Party, which I was mm-hmm. upset to discover that despite the nostalgia, it is actually an average song. I was trying to figure out why this was such a big hit. So I remembered the music video. So I went to go and listen to the music video because I remembered it. And they're all so attractive. And they all believe their own cringe so deeply that it's such a joy to watch them, especially when they're they're all jumping in the air throughout the episode and tracing S in the air with glitter. Um, Yes, I watched this the other day. There's some acting at the beginning of the video mm -hmm, as well, isn't mm -hmm. there? Yeah, it's where they're they're confronting some sort of gang and saying things like "daddyo." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they go back. It's like they've gone back in time to the fifties, which you mentioned is one of the episodes as well, right? Yeah, maybe that was a tie-in or something. Maybe they were reusing some of the costumes. Who knows? But the song really introduces the S Club as your friends. And just basically explains why the S Club party would be a joy to attend. Um, that and everyone can sing ooh ooh together at the school disco. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that's why the song did well. 6.5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Five, everybody wants you. Great verse, annoying chorus. It's getting a bit boring now because it's just Joe endlessly singing about someone she really fancies. Uh, that's been about four mm-hmm. of the songs so far. Six out of ten. Viva La Fiesta. <laughs> One of the best album tracks of all time. I love this song. Do you remember it? How does this one go? Oh, now, you, now you're asking me. Um, <laughs> I, w- I will know it probably. Take a chance, come on and dance, dance, dance. We're yes, going to salsa, yes. yeah. That one. Um, I yeah, almost I believe I can that. dance when I listen to this song. There's a fever in your soul. What a lyric. This is where the real S Club party is at. This is the after party to S Club party. Mm-hmm. It's S Club after dark, this song. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to have to bang that one on after we finish recording. Because, yeah, I do remember that. It will improve your day so much. Nine out of ten. Uh, seven going to change the world. Unfortunately, the album really takes a nosedive here. 
because they've let the men sing a song. Utterly right, okay. incomprehensible trash that says nothing of any interest. <laughs> um, one of the lyrics is, before he hits you, you can always try a smile. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, so this is basically the song equivalent of people saying it's bad to hit Nazis. Uh, <laughs> the boys can all sing and they really do their best. And I, I wish them well, but it's a three out of ten. Number eight is I Really Miss You. And this is, uh, Rachel gets to sing this one. So it's not Joe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and she's great. Uh, she can't belt like Joe, but she has an amazing, sweet pop voice. Cute song, nice key change in the bridge, real palate cleanser after the fuckery of Change the World, whatever the fuck that song's called. It would be an eight, but once again, the song fades out without a proper ending, which is for cowards. So it's a 7.5 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're into the last three tracks now. Uh, number nine is Friday Night. Uh, uh, it's Bradley's time to shine. He gets to sing this one. Catchy chorus, but a bit meaningless. Um, and I enjoyed listening to it because, well, I've forgotten what it feels like for Friday night to mean anything. Uh, yeah, it's Friday. It's Friday night now when mm, we're recording this. Have you got that Friday feeling listening to my thoughts no. on the production of this album? <laughs> well, I don't remember that song, to be honest, so I'll put it on and see if it gives me a, a Friday put, feeling. Put the whole album on and send send me over your ratings because I'd, I'd love to know how they differ. Uh, yeah, yeah, I will. It, it fades out again, again. So it's just like, fuck off. Uh, 6.5 out of 10. Number 10, it's a feel good thing. Tries right, to yes. be. This, this was in, um, this was in episode one. Ah. So this was like the, the first musical number of the whole series. Right. Okay. Well, they've, they've fucked it up there because it should have been Viva La Fiesta. It's a feel good thing. It's trying to be Viva La Fiesta part two. But it's just not as good. It makes me want to mm-hmm. just listen to Viva La Fiesta again. It, it has a really boring key change and it doesn't make me feel good, which seems unforgivable for a song that's called It's a Feel Good Thing. It mm. like it would be a bit like writing a song called I'm Gonna Give You 500 Pounds and then you don't get 500 pounds at the end of listening to it. It's <laughs> like, what's the point? Just setting yourself right. up for failure. Five out of 10. The final track, Hope for the Future didn't give me hope for the future it was it was boring but i was still able to disassociate from reality whilst listening to it so it's not that annoying four out of ten okay i don't remember that one either to be honest no and you won't after listening to it even if you listened to it like eight (laughs) times you still wouldn't know what the tune was of that song okay is that why they left it to last yeah i mean they just they clearly couldn't be asked with that one i guess all of these are probably going to come up in the series at some point because they seem to be doing one song per episode Uh... and there's 13 episodes altogether. although the one they did in this episode isn't on the album as far as I remember. It's a sort of B-side to a single. Mm. I mean, if they really wanted to have a great series, they just would have done Viva La Fiesta in every single episode. Right. I'll Yeah, I'll look forward to that one actually coming up in the series, hopefully. It was, it was in that episode. You know the bit where they're dancing in the bathroom? That's the start of Viva oh. La Fiesta. Right, okay. And I was like, surely, I know, I was like, surely they're not going to waste the best song on the album for a bit where they're talking about really needing a piss. Like, it's an absolute banger. Like, it would be such a waste. Yeah. N- knowing this show, that could be it. Yeah, they, they've made some real weird decisions. Yeah, there's no logic. For sure. 
So those are my thoughts. Thanks for thanks for indulging me. No, that's great. Yeah, I will. I'll, I'll put the album on tonight probably and and see if I agree. So before we finish, where can people find you on Twitter? And is there anything like your podcast that you want to plug? Uh, yeah, you can listen to my podcast if you if you would like to. It's called Bitchin. Um, I do it with my friend Helen Monks, who's more successful and nice than me. Uh, she is uh, an actress and uh, writer, and uh, she's in lots of things like Upstart Crow and Raised by Wolves, and she's brilliant and lovely. And every week we talk about a different person. Uh, we dissect them. We go wildly off track, um, hence why it's called bitching. Um, and we, yeah, we tend to, uh, sometimes we do our research and then a lot of the time we just um, try not to get sued for calling people paedophiles <laughs> is generally what I end up doing. Uh, slagging off billionaires is generally the vibe. But yeah, come come and come and listen. Yeah, definitely. And on Twitter, your name is I'm at Tilly Steele on Twitter if you really want to read my bad tweets, but I'm I'm losing my mind, so I don't really recommend it. No, your your tweets are funny. <laughs> you did one this this morning about <laughs> getting your nan to do burpees for the <laughs> oh, NHS. Oh god, I, yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah, they don't have the internet, that's why I can make jokes like that. <laughs> Okie doke. So um yeah. That's it, really. There isn't really a proper ending, I've just realised. Well, there wasn't um, a proper ending press... to that episode, so that's probably... We'll, f- we'll fade out at the yeah. end. Thank you for listening to this episode of It's an S-Pod Thing. It was edited by Alex Blondek, with music by William Kitchener. If you enjoyed the podcast and want to let us know that we're your number one, please subscribe and leave us a good review. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.